Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Star Wars Rank. Just me today, ranking five things towards a topic. It's pretty simple. Glad you're here. And I am by myself today because a lot of us are by ourselves. A lot of us are just with our close family members, uh, children, loved ones, dogs, cats, even a ferret or two. Yes, we are all experiencing worldwide this situation going on, and we here at Force Center uh, hope you're safe, hope you're healthy, and are here along with you to experience what's going on, to uh, be confused by what's going on, and to also just try to keep our sanity. So the broadcasts continue, and in that spirit, this Star Wars rank today, I wanted to just kind of see what can we learn from being by yourself? What can you learn from isolation, quarantine, of all kind of sorts in the Star Wars story. So today we are ranking the best isolations in Star Wars. Now, so here's the thing. This is going to be a non-surprising list. I think sometimes on Star Wars Ranked, I definitely try to, I don't get a little cute, get a little fun. Uh, something you don't think about here. But I think when you think about characters in Star Wars by themselves, whether it be on missions, lost, Traveling around the galaxy to discover themselves or being locked down on a planet or a hut or a cave. I don't know. There's a lot of examples in Star Wars that we just know very, very well. And I don't want to I don't want to go past that. Occasionally here on a Star Wars rank, we'll uh, put something in the Hall of Fame. And I thought about doing that. But I I'm not just here to rank the characters in isolation in Star Wars. Uh, I, I'm here because since we're all kind of going through the situation, especially here in the States right now, especially where I am in Los Angeles County, we're, we're on a, you know, I'll say a pretty stringent lockdown at times with a little too much wiggle room that people are abusing. But it could get, uh, we could get more. It could get loose and we still might need to be in lockdown. I don't know. We're going to eventually, though, emerge from it. And I always say, if you got to go through something, maybe try to learn something from it. So not just ranking the best isolation moments, the best characters in isolation in Star Wars. We're here today to talk about maybe what they learned. What can we gain from what they went through? So with that in mind, we're going to dive on in here to the 77th edition of Star Wars Ranked. My number five list, ranking these by myself, is Darth Vader. Now, I thought, do I make it specific? And if I was going to make it specific, I'd probably say his time on Mustafar, as really depicted in wonderful detail by Charles Soule's Vader comic series, his time on Mustafar building his castle. Now, he wasn't completely alone. We know this. But yeah, some of us, a lot of us actually right now, aren't completely alone during this isolating time. Vader was out there. But then I thought about it. Vader, more than any other character, values his isolation, values being alone. In fact, he does it often. He he does it. He does it almost daily. He's got his meditation chamber, his isolation chamber. He's got his little Vader pod. Whether it's at home at Fortress Vader, hanging out in a 
vile of Bacta with only some Imperial Royal Guards and Vinay around him, you know, not counting Krennic showing up for a business meeting, called to the principal's office. There's that, or whether it's on a Star Destroyer or a Super Star Destroyer, sitting around isolating himself. What can we learn from what Vader learned? Well, here's the thing. I love the idea of Vader stewing in his anger. Some of the best moments of that Charles Soul comic. Actually, some of the best moments with Vader in the comics are when he kind of goes into his own head. The Charles Soul comic had this kind of almost demonic, burnt, uh, unrecognizable version of, of Anakin walking around with his true self, or at least what he thought he was, right? And Darth Vader, by himself, uses that isolation, uses that alone time, that quality alone time when the kids are bed, kids are asleep. He uses it to just get more angry. He is focused on everything he can't control. He's focused on his sins. He's focused on the, the mistakes. And he's trying to get past it through pure anger. That's what I see, Vader. And there's a meditation chamber, but he's meditation, meditating He's meditating on, I think, his failures. I think that War of the Jedi, as he's referred to in the Thrawn novels, Vader refers to himself as the Jedi or that Jedi, the Jedi in this past, Anakin versus Darth Vader. That's the greatest battle going on, and it rages on and on and on. And to me, in that isolation chamber, he's left alone, left to his own devices, and he's left with just an un filtered memory of what it is. I think when Darth Vader's walking around, when he's rumbling, bumbling, stumbling around in his cape, blade, he's a character. He's portraying something else. Oh, it's his true self. Oh, he's made some choices. Don't get me wrong. But I, I think that Vader is not portraying who he might really be deep down inside. We talk often here of that powerful scene of Shmi Skywalker sending little Annie on his way. Don't look back. How tough that was for her. It was a hero's moment for her. But she instilled all this stuff in Anakin. I still think, in my view, this is me. When when I hear characters, particularly you know Luke Skywalker, say they're still good in him, I think what he's sensing, what he's picking up on, is is the ghost of that child buried deep down inside. It is little Annie Skywalker. I really do think that. The stuff put in there by Shmi is what helps keep him just slightly anchored enough to the light side. Just, just enough on the way back. Palpatine is the, is the poster creature for evil. This we know, right? And, and I love that. And, and, you know, the Lucino novel, the Darth Plagueis Lucino novel, has got some great stuff about Palpatine's youth. I'm, I am very interested in hearing some of that. In new canon. I love Lucina to take a crack at it. I'd love some of the young Palpatine stuff. I'm fascinated by the character of Palpatine. Sheev, Sidious, Final Order Palpatine, Spirit Clone Palpatine, whatever. I, I just really love the character. But I love it in a way of just what a, what what caused this to go wrong? I want to know. As as Lucas asks, how how do we have you know, people going evil. Why do we have evil characters in the, in the world, not just in stories, in the world? He's fascinated with that. The difference right now, right now, Palpatine, we know, never, never, never going to come back from it. I don't care if they bring him back for episode 10. doesn't matter. He is never going to be redeemed. He's never going to go towards the light. So to me, he doesn't have something in his past that anchors him to the light. And I think Vader does. Anakin does. And I think it's Shmi. I think it's everything. I think it's Padme. Absolutely, Padme. I think it's a lot of that. And that anchors to him to the light side. But when he gets in that meditation chamber, he fights that off. He can't do it. So when he is isolated, it is a lesson for us of uh, don't focus on your past sins. Move past it. Always move forward. He is like a lot of Sith, buried by the past. Cannot let go of the past. We're not talking the way Kylo Ren talks about it. That's him trying to run from the past. Vader's just living in it. And you have to move forward, but learn from the past. I think that's where healing begins, and that's why Vader won't do it. He is in those meditation chambers every time you see him. Every time General Veers 
walks on up. He felt surprised was was he's clumsy as he is stupid. That whole scene, everything. Vader in those moments is not thinking about going down and kicking rebels' asses. He's not thinking about, oh, is it going to be cold on Hoth? He's not thinking. He is in there stewing over his past and not moving forward from it. Afraid of it. He's afraid of it. When his mask is cracked and exposed by Ahsoka Tano in Rebel Season 2, I really believe in my heart that is the eye of Anakin looking at him, looking at her. I, I think that is the eye of Anakin looking out. It's his voice. It's not processed. It's nothing. It is his voice, Anakin's. For a second, showing up. And he fights it back. And he fights it back because he's so good at fighting back. Because that's all he does in that isolation chamber. He's by himself. Left to his own devices. And that can be dangerous. So that's why he's number five on my list. It's a lesson to learn from someone doing it wrong. You're stuck inside. Don't let the anger consume you. Don't move on from the past without learning from it. But let go of it as well. Not to run. Well, you know, Kylo's got some lessons to learn from his grandfather if he only paid attention. Number four on my list, we're going to Force Awakens and before with Ray. Ray by herself on Jakku. Yes, we know she was left there. We know when Carplot had some sort of custody on uh, on her for a while, uh, with her for a while, and I don't think that lasted too long, though. The Kylo Ren comic did show that, um, you know, it's about six years before the story. There might have been something there. But as I think she got of age, ready to take on the world by herself, I think she probably bolted out on her own. I don't think Unkar Plot kicked her loose. I think she was like, I'm out of here. I'm moving to that sweet ad over there across the hill. I'll come back for the portions. And I think that's also why, you know, he, she probably did some work for him. She's probably really good at scavenging, right? He probably was taking a big cut. She's part of the team, Unkar Plot Enterprises, and uh, she moved past from that. I, that's what I think. That's it's that's right. I do think of a lot of Unkar Plot headcanon backstories. I do. I do. That's mine. Um, she probably repaired some ships, worked on some ships. She's got a lot of skills, and that's one of the things I'm fascinated by with Ray's isolation. It's it's an isolation that she's not even aware. In a classic sense, right? She knows she's been left there. She 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 knows she's got some kind of family out there, right? They've got to return. They, she's feeling that. So she knows she's alone, but she doesn't want to leave it either. I really believe the Ray we meet, Force Awakens, even with the daydreams, even with putting on the helmet, the tear fun yellow ace helmet, and just kind of dream about taking on the galaxy, which she'll eventually do. She doesn't want to leave. Everything about her life, the routine, the scratches on the wall, is just to document her being in her own cage, being in that isolation. But it is during these times that, you know, this is not good times for her. She's not, I don't think we meet Ray as, as a character who's happy. She's, I think she could survive on her own. The making of the bread, that little plant, that little flower that she's got, those are, those are little rays, no pun intended, of sunshine in her life, which is why I love the moments. We see later on, especially Last Jedi, her reaching out, touching the rain. Force Awakens, looking out at Takadana. And I even think the Aki Aki Festival of the Ancestors in Rise of Skywalker is one of the best moments. And they designed that whole sequence, really, about the idea of we need to show Ray fun, joy, love, kinship, support, celebration, and also a reason to fight for the galaxy. This is the face. She's been alone most of her time. She's since leaving, she's been going, going, going. So I love that even a couple of years later and five years into the story for us in real time, Ray is still getting to experience base level joy and, and just looking at it with such awe. It's so, so beautifully played in Rise of Skywalker, but I believe that begins back in her isolation in her uh, self quarantine on Jakku. It's a bad time for her. And even though she doesn't necessarily want to get out of it, but she does want to get out of it. We, we know that. She wants her parents or her family to return. And even if they never leave, even if they all move into the ADAT, she'll be free of that isolation, I think, in her mind, free of that life. She'll be connected. She'll be part of a family. She'll be part of the story in her head. But it's a bad time. And I think the lesson learned from this is I always say be here now. Be in the situation now. Look for ways to improve on it. We're all kind of locked away. We're locked inside. Some of us are losing work. I have family members losing work. I've lost some work. We're struggling. We're a little scared. We're nervous. 
It's dark times. But now you're alone with yourself. You're alone with those close to you. How can you use that time to better yourself? And also, more importantly, as I think what Ray learns later on, a lot of what she takes out into the galaxy, who she is, skills she has, technical skills, flying skills, fighting skills, her sense of empathy. One of the first things we see, she wants to ditch BB-8. She wants to leave him behind. She can't. And, and it's not even at Unkar Plot's 60 portions offer uh, moment that, that she decides that. She decides that pretty early on when she, number one, cuts him free, fights for him, but also fixes an antenna. I think that fixing the antenna moment is is the biggest example of the empathy, the compassion that is inside Ray. And that fuels her. I think it's one of those things. Why, when you see her go to Tatooine, which, by the way, I think it's just on a, I think it's a surface level moment that they put in there to just end the entire saga where it started in 77. Not even in the story, really. I mean, obviously, we get a lot of Tatooine and Phantom Menace, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just a decision. It's a filmmaking decision. But I think there's a lot of great, great depth to that moment, especially in the novel. We read what it means. She's sensing all the Skywalkers there, right? Anakin, Luke, um, and their memories. It's, 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 in her face, I, I, I know some people, bluntly, I'll say, have just been upset with the idea of, of why would you send Ray home? Why would you send Ray home or off to a desert planet by herself where she started? How could you do that to that character? She wants to be around her friends. She earned this. She wanted to go forward. I think I may be off base. And if you have a real personal connection to why you don't like that moment, that's fine. I'm not here to take that away from you. But the 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 looks on Ray's face all through that sequence, uh, it's one of purpose and hope. And it's also one of reflection. I don't know. It's like going to your hometown. If you got the hell out of your hometown, you can sometimes go back and be really moved and find yourself by roaming around your old haunts, your old places, even sometimes your old friends, and saying, now I love this. Now I understand why it was here, why I was stuck in this old city, as the great prophets Liam and Noel Gallagher sang and wrote, this old town don't smell too pretty. Um, you, you look back and you say, my time here did make me. And you're okay to root around with it. You're okay to be there. There's not pain associated with it because you know you're not that person anymore. I don't believe. Yeah, there's no way. There's just no way. We've seen the journey. Ray is not the same person. Roaming around Tatooine, you know, as the, same, as the person she was on Jakku. Other than a different planet, it's a different setting. She's not, going, she's not going to her old high school. She's going to like another high school. And that I get. But because... Because I've seen so many people just outright angry, angry at this decision to leave her there. By the way, the book confirms what Terry and others have said. She doesn't stay there. She's swinging by. Hope, peace, purpose. And, and we're not even, we don't even need to address the Skywalker moment. I love that moment. A lot of people don't. We're not even addressing that here. I'm just Ray on Tatooine. To me, it is her going back to where she began spiritually and going, I didn't want to be there. I wanted out. I wanted it to change. But now I know everything I am sprung out of what I learned there, what I felt there. And I know I'm confirming for myself I am not that person. I'm past it. And there's no pain associated with being alone on a desert planet for a little bit. By the way, I got my pal BB-8 here. Someone who was a symbol of my steps out of Jakku. Kind of began when he rolled into my life. So that's where I think, and that's why I go to the Force Awakens moments with Ray. I think a lot of people agree. Uh, Daisy Ridley in, the, in, in those first scenes, which some of the first stuff she, she shot in Star Wars, was so good. She was so charming. She was by herself. It was, it was sometimes just downright cute. It was very uh, charming. It was, uh, you know, you, 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 either you fell for the character or you started to develop a protective sense for the character, some empathy for the character, an interest in what, she was becoming because we, we obviously know there, there's something grand coming her way. She doesn't. So I, I love those early moments. 
but it to me connects to what we saw and it is a valuable lesson of you might be alone right now we might be in some tough times you might pick up on some things you might learn some things about yourself and later on you got to figure out oh that's why it happened that's why i was there that's why rays isolation is on my list at number three number four excuse me i can count number three now we're getting into the all-time classics. Again, I did. I just I thought about it. There's and there's other choices, and we're gonna hear some. I uh, got a couple calls lined up from uh, you guys out there. Got some honorable mentions for sure. But we're going classics. We're going big stuff, and I'm going Yoda. Yoda on Dagobah. The biggest thing for Yoda is clearly the failure, failure, and how he learned from that. Why does he? St- Tell Luke Skywalker that the greatest teacher failure is because, as he said in Revenge of the Sith, all failed I have. This ain't good. And I've got to go into hiding. It's it's always interesting. Obi-Wan, and and hint, we'll be talking about him. Obi-Wan goes out on sort of an assignment. It's sort of an mission. It's an isolated mission. Yoda, you know, who now in story, in canon, we know, kind of went on his own little journey to Dagobah, Learned uh, learned stuff from Qui Gon and 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 that lost Clone Wars season is just is just really good. Uh, and when it comes to talking uh, talking about Yoda and some of his uh, solo trips, I almost thought about listing that. Do I list Yoda in the Clone Wars going to Dagobah, kind of conquering his demons there, uh, and and facing the temptation on the dark side and rising past it? But now I'm more interested in yoga. Yoga. I'm interested in yoga. I'm interested in Yoda on Dagobah. Because he sends himself there. He sends himself there at the end of Revenge of the Sith. He is down. He's depressed. They've lost. He couldn't defeat Palpatine. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So he sends himself there to a planet he knows. This is what I love when you lay out all the beats of the story now. Now that we have this whole saga, and that includes Clone Wars and Rebels and the comics and the books. And I know some of you don't watch or read all those things. That's fine. These moments are all here for you. I mean, I, I think they're independent. I don't think you need to read uh, from a certain point of view, which has the great story of Yoda on Dagobah by himself. Uh, or, and I don't think you have to be overly familiar with the Clone Wars. You can just watch the movies for what they are and, and get Yoda's story. But I love now that we got the sense that he just kind of went out to Dagobah. He just kind of knows. By the way, R2 is there. I still think now R2's playing along and really pissed off at Yoda's uh, hijinks when they first uh, when they first meet up again in Empire Strikes Back because I really do believe R two is like what the hell are you doing man it's me I brought the kid why are you playing games oh it's a lesson uh, okay well now I'm out in the rain thanks jerk Yoda that's what I think is going through R two's head that's a different conversation different show R 2s greatest hits Yoda sends himself there so why he's got to stew on this failure got to stew on how could uh, the Jedi Order fail. How could the great Yoda fail? I, mean, I wouldn't say Yoda's a cocky, arrogant guy, but there's got to be a sense of, I'm pretty confident I can do this, right? We didn't. I didn't. We didn't. And now we got to pay for that. And what, what do we have to learn? And I think that's what Yoda spends most of his time doing. He's got to learn to retrust himself and perhaps retrust others. I am fascinated with the introduction of the idea in the From a Certain Point of View book with the, with the great story about Yoda there. Fascinated with the idea that he believed Leia was the chosen one. That Leia should be the one that goes forward. and He'd love to train her because he can sense it. He can feel it. Luke is too much like his father. Leia's probably much more like her mother and much more capable of doing what is needed. Skill-wise, Luke's pretty damn powerful. I think Yoda even knows that. Leia probably is too. But the focus was elsewhere. Her upbringing was different. And that that added factor intrigued, intrigued Yoda. So I love that Yoda gets into a little bit of an argument with Ghost Obi-Wan. I love that Obi-Wan... Appears to him kind of suggesting like, hey, man, it's time. The kid's ready. It's his time up to bat. And Yoda doesn't want it. He ends up relenting. He ends up relenting to, to Obi-Wan, someone, someone once beneath him in the pecking order, the Jedi order. And to me shows that he 
he probably had to learn to trust again, learn to trust others, learn to trust maybe even in the force. The force will be with you always. I'm sure Yoda felt that. I'm sure he said that thousands of times in his long, long life. And the one time he went to really put it all on the line, he was defeated by Palpatine. He failed. The force failed. So Yoda in his isolation is learning to trust again, learning to reconnect to the things he believed in, the core things, and therefore his greater purpose. I think the, that story, which is intriguing, and there's some talk that from, the, from, from a certain point of view, the novel is, I treat it as canon. There's definitely some weird things in there that aren't my favorite. Don't I don't need to dwell on them. They're just fun little side adventures. Nothing that's going to change things dramatically of the things I like. Nothing knocks anything else over in Star Wars. But the things I love, the reasons I love them is because they do such a great job of building other parts of the story in Star Wars up, recontextualizing scenes that I've grown up with. I've talked often, I wrote about it in my book, Why We Love Star Wars, the, the um, essay, the short story Eclipse by Madeline Rue, which is the final moments of Breha and Bail Organa. It's tear-inducing, it's haunting, and I always think of it when I watch New Hope now. That's what those, the best stories, the better stories in from a certain point of view do that. And now it's, now it's Yoda. Now it's Yoda. It, 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 it fuels his decision in Empire uh, to kind of say there is another. And I love, I love, you know, the camera cuts away. No, there is another. I, I in my mind now, the story goes, and, and Obi-Wan probably says, Ghost Obi-Wan says, yeah, Leia, yeah, you're probably right. I totally overlooked her. My fault, my bad. Yeah, we need Leia. We definitely need Leia. Luke's got to get to Leia. Like, I love that thought now. And I love, to me, a lot of that came out of, a lot of it just came out of Yoda having to, to trust and trust in the force again and trust that this was the way. His desire to train Leia, definitely not wrong, but it might have gone against the plan of the force. And for Yoda, the grand, wise, master Yoda, to have to learn that again, learn it in isolation, be by himself, replaying everything over in his head, really concentrating on it, thinking this is what I want to do, but this doesn't seem like what the force wants to do. That's sometimes what we need to do, what we need to learn. when We're by ourselves, hanging out in a cabin. Or a little hut, eating some swamp stew. Number two on my list. Yep, mention it. No surprise here. Obi-Wan Kenobi, the old hermit, Ben Kenobi. 19 years of refocus. That's what I think this is. It's a big lesson. It's a lesson I, I really take to heart. You've heard Joseph and I, along with Jennifer, talk about our ideas, our thoughts of what the Kenobi series, the TV series on Disney Plus might be now or what the movie might have been. We are all uh, all on board for this idea. It's not just old man in the desert. It is the transition period. It is the Obi-Wan at the end of Revenge of the Sith who's taking on a mission plus a final lesson. Oh, hey, while you're out there, Qui-Gon's going to reach out to you. He'll leave a message, get back to him. So it's a mission it's training. It's more to come. Not that Obi-Wan's super excited right now. Things aren't looking good for the galaxy, but he's got a purpose. And Obi-Wan is that poster child for the good Jedi. Very few times in Obi-Wan's life does he goes, go the way of his master and mentor, Qui-Gon Jinn, and just completely go against the council's orders. The biggest one that pops to mind is Duchess Satine going off to save her. And there's other little moments. He pushes the envelope, but unlike Qui-Gon... Unlike Quinlan Voss, unlike Dooku back in his day, Sifo-Dyas, all those Jedi that we love who who are not great Jedi. They are Jedi that think outside of the bounds of the Jedi Council and the High Council. So that's what Obi-Wan is. We know this. So at the end of Revenge of the Sith, I don't know, there could be a little bit of adrenaline, a little denial of the whole situation. Yep, 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 I'll go out, I'll watch him from Tatooine, I'll take the kid out there. You know, Beru and, uh, and, and Owen, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we can talk, we'll be okay, right? I'm sure they'll be all right, they'll hang out with me every once in a while. Some good drinking uh, to be had locally, I'll head out there. It's a mission. 
I got to do my mission. And I'm fascinated along the way this idea that for 19 years, Obi-Wan Kenobi, much like Yoda, had to deal with the failure. How did this happen? How did we? We're the good guys. I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. I do everything right. We lost and we failed. And then I failed Anakin. I left him burning. Maybe I should have killed him. Maybe I should never have confronted him. Maybe I should have just grabbed Padme, 3PO, and headed to safety. Maybe she'd still be alive. To me, Obi-Wan Kenobi spends that first half of his time in the desert doing his mission, because he's good with missions. I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. Let's worry about the mission. He's doing his mission, protect the kid. He's the future. Now, he believes, as we know, he believes Anakin's the chosen one. But by the time we really meet up with him, he believes it's Luke, which is pretty interesting to me because George Lucas will tell you, there's another thing I wrote about, George Lucas will tell you it's Anakin, it's Anakin. I tended to be Anakin, it's Anakin from the start. I think that's true because George scribbled down on those notepads years before we saw any of this. So I believe George in that sense. George sometimes seems, uh, depending on when you catch him, has a selective memory of what he uh, planned. That tracks for me. But it's hard to believe that if you're, especially if you're a original trilogy kid. I'm talking raised with that. Before the prequels, maybe even before the special editions when the conversations weren't as thorough out in the public. It was just you and your friends on the playground trying to figure out what was going on in Star Wars. Luke's the chosen one to us growing up. And it's a child of destiny right there. He's plucked the sword out of the, the sea, sword of destiny, hero's blade, and he goes and saves the day. None of that happens unless he goes to save. And it's as you get older, as the story grows on, as the prequels come along... Books, novels, legends, or otherwise, doesn't matter. It starts to really kind of change that story. It does make sense that it's Anakin Skywalker. I believe technically the chosen one is Anakin Skywalker, but I love that Obi-Wan Kenobi, even as late as Star Wars Rebels, believes it's Luke, has to believe it's Luke. And how does he get to that point? That's the story I hope we get in the Kenobi series. That's the story I believe we were going to get in the movies. Obi-Wan Kenobi is sitting there in that hut, Sensing, uh-oh, I think, I think Anakin's still roaming around there. I should have killed him. I should have done better. I failed. I've got to go end it. I've got to complete that mission. i got to complete the mission statement of the Jedi. I'm not the chosen one, but he was, and he, he failed us. So I've got to go do that. I've got to refocus. And then he fails at doing that. And that is why I believe, until we're told other in some real good canon material, I believe Obi-Wan fails to do that. And whether or not he goes and confronts Darth Vader one last time, I believe there's more than enough room in the story to do that. Yep, I'm one of those people that kind of grew up thinking the Death Star and New Hope, that sequence is the first time old Ben and Darth, his good pal Darth, met up together. But it doesn't line up does not line up with the Return of the Jedi dialogue. Obi-Wan once thought as you did. Unless he's referring to stuff in Revenge of the Sith, maybe. Uh, you could argue that Lucas hadn't flushed all that out. The moments were there. The novel confirms that. James Conn's 1983 novelization confirms the final fall, the final confrontation on a molten lava planet. So, yeah... I understand. You could say that somehow in that conversation, Obi-Wan was like, that. Ah, they're still good, and you turn back, turn back. But Obi-Wan kind of shows up to kick his ass, to confront him. The robe comes off, man. The robe comes off. I don't believe in that moment. He tells Padme. That's why he's going out. That's why Padme's not happy. Like, no, no, you're going to kill him. I believe there's room for another conversation, another moment, another confrontation. Perhaps one of those moments in Vader's life that's not unlike the Ahsoka moment in Rebels. A moment where he could have turned around, a moment where he could have, but he wasn't ready. He didn't, 
He was still stewing in that anger because he's in that meditation chamber, not moving past, not growing. Afraid. I think that's possible. I think it's possible for this one more confrontation. And even if he does it, maybe he wants to go do it and he fails to do that. I think Obi-Wan has to transition from a Jedi who can't complete his mission from the past to defeat Vader, Anakin, mission, uphold good around the galaxy, and has to accept where he is now. He has to refocus his life. He is living in not great situations. I'm not going to call it the squalor that Maul might call it, but I love Obi-Wan saying in the final confrontation, look what I've risen above. He's changed. Darth Maul does not change. This we know. Darth Maul dies because he tries to use the same fighting maneuver against Obi-Wan that he used against his master over 30 years earlier. And Obi-Wan knows. Obi-Wan goes into the... I think he goes into the Qui-Gon fighting stance as maybe an ode to his old master, but I also think it's because he knows. Darth Maul, Maul, whatever you want to call him, he is still who he is, and that's going to be his undoing. It's compassion and growth versus vengeance and staying who you are. It's a trade of the Sith. Not, uh, can't let go. Can't let go. And it destroys each and every one of them. You're lucky if you get a final redemption. But Obi-Wan grows. And I think the Obi-Wan 19 years prior or so, 17 years prior or so in the desert, when he first gets there, if Maul sought him out there, would have been a big fight. It would have been a great fight. Maul might have won. Might have been shocking to find him with robot legs there, but Obi-Wan, I think, maybe would have defeated him, but I, it would have been a different fight. That's why it's so quick. It's an old-style samurai fight. We know Filoni did that, but there's great weight to it, and I think that's part of what Obi-Wan learns out there in his isolation. He learns to change. He faces himself and looks at who he was and knows he has to now be who he is and can be and must be. And it's about protecting Luke. The blade comes up with Maul, not for himself, for Luke. He accepts it. And I think when you're in isolation, sometimes when you're by yourself, you can face those kind of things without all the other noise. Perhaps you're giving yourself. I think there's some forgiveness for Obi-Wan. I think he's haunted. I think Alec Guinness plays it with so much. There's so much to pull out of Alec Guinness's Far few uh, few moments in New Hope. I wish he, he a little bit more in the movie, right? But it's just perfect. It's pitch perfect. And Guinness is so good, and he doesn't have any of this in the story, but he knows how to play it. An old warrior hurt by the past, protecting secrets. And every little squint of his eye, every little long gl- di- distance glare, uh, you know, stare out into the uh, into the suns by Alec Guinness is is, is a part of the story for Obi Wan. And it, to me, is a lesson of refocusing who you are and what you must do. And Obi-Wan is ready, finally, when it all comes calling. We are going to take a quick break. On the other side of this break, I've got some calls from some of you, some honorable mentions, and my number one Star Wars character in isolation. It's Star Wars Rank. Stick around. We'll be right back. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both 
in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. And we're back here on Star Wars Rank. I'm Ken Napsok with you by myself, ranking the best Star Wars characters in isolation. And we have reached uh, number one. But before we do, before we reach number one, we're going to go through some honorable mentions. And this is going to be great because for the first time, uh, we're going to be hearing from some of you on Star Wars Rank. But uh, I want to go through my honorable mentions right now. And... um, there's a couple of them there, you know. I, I again wanted to, once I really thought about this list, I wanted to wanted to stay with the big hits. This is a greatest hits collection right here. All right, this is Eagles' greatest hits uh, of Star Wars ranked. But here's some ones for me: um, Ahsoka on the run, and we're getting more of this right now. We're we're getting a lot more of this. I'm waiting for this story, and I think this could make the list because it's a it's a different kind of isolation, right? It is it is you know we she's we've seen her meet uh, Trace and. Rafa Martez. Um, I think she's been on the run before during before her leaving the Jedi Order and now after. I would even count in this her on the run, working with Saj Ventress, all those kind of things uh, that she did before. But I think we're about to learn a lot more from Ahsoka by herself, even though others around her, but reforming who she is and rebuilding who she is. And and the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston, I think, is is Ahsoka surrounded by many people in some sort of isolation. And I am fascinated by her really just forming who she is, becoming who she's supposed to be, becoming in many senses uh, uh, the purest form of Jedi, right? I really love that uh, thought about Ahsoka. So that's why it almost made me a list, but I think the story's not quite done. We could do redo this list, and then Ahsoka would make the list. Uh, beyond that, I'm going with this. This is this is one of those outside the box ones. This is one that I thought about doing, and uh, you know, just wanted to keep it with the, with the big white hits. But Jar Jar the Clown again. Something I wrote about why we love Star Wars, but it is uh, Chuck Wendig's interlude in the third aftermath book, Empire's M, where we find Jar Jar by himself with the exception of the refugee, refugee children of Naboo. I think it's, I think it's a, it's, it's a destroyed, distraught, decimated character, creature, Gungan, having to not find himself in some youthful sense, but be okay with what has happened and be okay with who he is and just accept it, try to heal from it, and much like Obi-Wan, refocus, refocus, and pay attention to those that care about you, which is the refugee children. That's why it's such a powerful passage to me. But it is Jar Jar literally left alone. It's Jar Jar with no one around him. And it's sad, man, but it's uplifting as well. It is Jar Jar being okay, looking around going, well, a lot of things went wrong. I did a lot of things wrong. Everyone's ditched me. They, some of them even think I helped the Sith. Some of them think I'm a Sith Lord. I'm by myself. And I've got to be okay with that because I have a purpose. And it's these refugee children who need me. It's very meta commentary, as we know. And it's wonderful. So I almost, almost put it there. Instead, it's a good honorable mention. The third one I, I want to do... Uh, talk about is Jedi Karak Infila. Uh, he is from the Vader comic. 
uh, the early issues uh, when Vader goes off and has to get his blade and get his crystal, bleed the blade. And uh, Jedi Infla is the one who has taken that Barash vow, which, remember, at the time, this is leading up to Last Jedi, but we started to get a sense, you know, we had come out of Force Awakens, Luke's on a hill, why is Luke on a hill? We all want to know, why is Luke on a hill? And this comic comes out, and this Jedi, post-fall of the Jedi, post-Order 66, is off on a faraway planet, up in a faraway temple by himself, uh, taking this Barash vow, this bearish vow, which is this sort of penance, like you've done something wrong, you violate, you, you cut yourself off from the Force, but you're still a Jedi. You still got uh, your blade, you still got your badge and gun, but you're not actively participating because of something you did. So that made perfect sense. Like, oh, is this what's going on with Luke? Who knows? Maybe that could have been at some point. I don't believe so. I think it just was for this story. I think it was a reason to say, hey, why would this Jedi be out and about in the galaxy post-Order 66, especially where the story took place so freshly after Order 66? So he's out there. I think it's a great isolation. I think it is a great great isolation. Um, lesson to be learned. Well, when a weird Sith cyborg uh, shows up, take him seriously, whether he has a lightsaber or not. Uh, read the comic if you haven't had a chance. So those are some of my honorable mentions. Now we're going to hear a couple from uh, you out there who called on in through the Anchor app, which you can do. There's a link if you just go to the Anchor app. You can listen to Force Center wherever you want to listen to it. The Apple Podcasts, the Spotify, all the other places. Uh, don't change your habits there. But if you want to talk to us, just pop up, uh, go to Anchor, go to the Anchor app, uh, download it, find Force Center, and you can uh, cheer us. You can support us directly from there if you want. Or you can do what these fine folks did. Uh, leave a response to today's episode. I post it in our Discord server, which is connected through our Patreon page. This is what we're doing Star Wars Ranked. Anyone want to call in? And here's some of the calls today. Hey, Ken. Pete from over on Discord. I'm going to go with Han Solo, Frozen, and Carbonite. I don't see how you can get any more isolated than that. Uh, so I think we should all be thankful we have the freedom to walk around our houses or around the block outside. Uh, so, yeah, Han, Frozen, and Carbonite. Stay safe and healthy out there, and same to all the listeners. That's great, Pete. I love this because, you know, with what's going on right now, this is what Star Wars could do. Star Wars can inspire you. Star Wars can jump off the screen and the page and find you where you are in life. And you might be real bummed right now. Being kind of shut down in your in your apartment, your flat, your house, your studio apartment, your live work loft space, your garage, wherever you are. It could be, it's real bad right now. Yeah, but you could always be haunting carbonite. Alive. Sensing it all. That's one of the overlooked, not discussed horrors of Star Wars. I get a little, it triggers some claustrophobia in me. I can't, for Han to be just in perfect hibernation, but to just kind of be alert enough, you know? I, I don't care, you know, if you're not completely just in a coma, I it just I, I, I just couldn't take it. He's there for a long time on that wall in Jabba's palace. Perfect hibernation? Yeah, I don't think so. Not good for me. So, Pete's right. That's a good list. Good uh, honorable mention for the list, Han and Carbonite. Now we've got Ed checking in. Thing for me is got to be Palpatine uh, on Exegol, hooked up in his IV, just pulling the strings whenever he can. Um, no, not everyone was a fan of him coming back, but for me, it just it tied all three trilogies together. And um, the callback to Revenge of the Sith was so cool. I get chills in the cinema. Um, and I loved all the, the kind of Sith Eternal cult stuff. It's something I hope they kind of delve into a bit more in kind of books and comics and stuff like that. So definitely Palpatine. Ed with an answer there. He said in his title of his phone call, Papa Sheev. Yeah, Grandpappy Sheev. I like this one. It's similar to the Vader isolation. Uh, it's a long version of it. It's a long play. And this is the ultimate example of not letting go. Palpatine is obsessed with this. That's why it's introduced in Revenge of the Sith. Plagueis could keep life and, and, and keep himself going, keep life going, and, and that's used for Anakin's turn. It's used because Anakin's going, oh, wait, I am having visions that Padme's dying. This could be a good thing to have. Tell me more. Palpatine's playing it up, not from a Jedi, all those things. But I don't overlook what it also meant. 
Palpatine's master is uncovered and was researching. Again, going back to Lucino's book, not canon, but there's some great stuff with Plague. This is what he's trying to do. This is what Sith do. And Palpatine's right there. Jealous, wanting this, and afraid to die. Not wanting to die. It's about power. It's about greed. It's about wanting more. But it, above all, it is Palpatine not willing to let go and move on transition to the next realm if the sith could do that perhaps there would be sith ghosts they probably though wouldn't be siths would be sith see i don't think there's an s on that i apologize sith eternal so i'm i'm very happy that ed brings this up because again it's kind of going back to the vader lesson but it's again on a great scale it's spiritual spiritual we'll all be there one day Bono once saying, one step closer to knowing. We'll all be there. And I I hope, I don't want to be holding on to life. Not, not talking about wanting to live. I don't, I don't want to die right now. No. Want to live, want to live, want to live. Yes, but if we're fortunate enough to see the door start to open on the way out, I don't want to be like the Sith. I don't want to be like Palpatine. I want to be open to whatever's coming whether it's the pearly gates or the streets of heaven or nothingness, whatever. I want to be ready for it. I'm going to be open to it. That is why it's so powerful to know that in the moments before he passed away, voice, a voice, a voice, I think, I think Ben, not Solo, but Kenobi, we're telling Luke, let go, man, let go. And he did. All through the Rise of Skywalker in the novel, Luke, Luke is telling Leia, it's time. Let go. And she holds on to do what she needs to do. And, and he's he's on board for that too. Luke's on board for that. But you know what you need to do, but now it's time to go. And you have to be ready for it. Palpatine is an example of sitting there. He learns it. He learns it enough. He throws his spirit across the galaxy. We know he had sensed some darkness out there. He was obsessed with it. That's why he was interested in what Thrawn could teach him about the unknown regions. Something was out there. We don't know if that's the answer right now, but the Sith Eternal Lexical, what Ed was talking about, which is why I like them too. I'm fascinated by what might be out there. I'm fascinated by the storytelling that could still be coming from that. But Palpatine, it's in Star Wars stories, was obsessed with what was going on out there. Obsessed with what he felt and he didn't know. We didn't get that answer. I think this could be tied to that answer if it's not the answer itself. He throws his spirit out there and I can't get it right. He's not a clone. He's not a clone in the classic sense. We talked about it in the Rise of Skywalker novel review, but that's the story still going out there. I got still got people fight with me online. He was a clone. He was a clone. I, 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 I guess that's the terminology, but it's the same spirit Boba Fett does not have Django's spirit might have his body, might have his cells, might have whatever might have his haircut definitely has his armor but it is Boba Fett it's different this is not Palpatine 2.0 it's Palpatine, it's a spirit but in a body that is withering away they can't get it right it's, it's the painful Final lesson that Palpatine has to learn for 30 years. I mastered the art of keeping myself alive, just like Plagueis was learning and trying to, to master. I picked it up, threw myself to another location. I threw myself, I threw myself out there. But it didn't work, and they weren't ready, and it's not something they could perfect. We tried and we tried and we tried and now I have this body that's withering away and there's a ticking clock on my own existence. I need this Kylo Ren character. I needed to turn him. This pure genetic clone of me, Chad Palpatine as we always call him, that is to me more of a clone in the sense of Boba Fett. Don't get don't get held uh, held up on the idea of well is that Ray's father or it's just also her grandfather in another form it, it's like Boba Fett if Boba Fett had a kid right now you would say well it's also Django's kid you'd you'd say it's Boba Fett right that to me is Chad Palpatine but it's not working and then and, and Palpatine needs Ray he needs Ray he needs to take he's not just offering her the throne. 
Take a candy. Welcome to Granddad's house. Take the throne. I'll be here for advice. He's not Tywin Lannister saying, I'll help you be a better empress. He wants her. He wants her body. He wanted Kylo's. He wanted whatever he could get, but hers, hers better than Kylo's. More pure, probably more in line. Might have been his end game all along once it, once it started. And that's why I think it's so powerful that Ray chooses to fight that. That Ray chooses to kind of be nobody. And it's his final defeat. And it all comes from that 30 years of isolation, 30 years by himself, stewing in anger, and not letting go. Not growing, not being ready for what's next. Yeah. Sith do have cool weapons and cloaks, but I don't know. I don't know if I want to join their ranks. Which means it's time for my number one Star Wars character in isolation. It is Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker on Octo. So much has been said about this here. And a lot of it is, a lot of the themes we've heard about here. He is stewing in a little bit of self-loathing. He's stewing in his failure. I think a little bit of anger. And I think... Um, definitely in fear, as he says himself. And this, to me, there's so much to be said about Luke Skywalker in isolation. But this, to me, is one of those moments of Star Wars calling out to us, too, in many different ways. One of the ones, one of the things that's, I don't know, not talked about as much with Luke in isolation, Luke on the island, and where we find him at the end of Force Awakens it's something I, I'd said, I'm not, I'm not a great pro- prognosticator of Star Wars moments, but there was something early on when we kind of started to, you know, following Force Awakens, he's on the island, uh, Last Jedi starting to, uh, promotional materials coming out. I don't remember the exact uh, episode, but it was on Jedi Council where I just said, I, I just think Luke's so out there upset. I think everyone from the, after the fall of the Empire and the end of Return of the Jedi, I think everyone's asking stuff from him. Everyone wants a piece of Luke Skywalker. And I think at some point he just got fed up and frustrated. And I do think there's some of that there, not necessarily expressly stated and written in, in a movie or in a book or a comic even. But I think there's some lesson there for us of what we do and what we expect of those we deem heroes. And that Luke is beat up by it. And that makes his failure. That makes his failure with Ben that much more powerful, that much more cutting and biting into Luke. Because he knows, he knows it probably wasn't fair. He knows it probably wasn't fair for him to be the one holding all the galaxy together. But it didn't matter. He couldn't. You had to keep going on. And then when he messes up, he really feels it isn't just he's letting down the galaxy. It's not he's letting down himself. He's letting down Han and Leia and Chewie and Lando. That, that's bad enough. Letting down the new Republic government. Letting uh, letting down whatever Leia's starting, if he even knows. He even cares about the resistance at that point. I don't know. He is letting down the galaxy because it is a galactic level mistake. He lost Ben. He almost killed him and he did. He struck out in anger and, damn it, why did I do that? And that's got to crush down on him. That's got to just implode, fall apart like a cave, like it's the end of Last Crusade. And the the grail is past the seal. Luke Skywalker is past the seal, and it's all crumbling down around him. And so he goes. And so I think it's one of the things in real life. The amount of hope, not, not trust, the amount of hope and the pressure we put on those in our lives who we consider heroes. I'm talking big levels, small levels. Not making excuses for a celebrity doing a dumb thing or saying a dumb thing, but to those in your life, allowing them to be human. I think one of the most important parts of, in, in, in life and growing up is when you, you know, if, you, if you're fortunate enough to have your, your parents in your life on any level there and, and, and maybe you have some problems with me, even maybe it's even more powerful in that situation where you can finally look at your parents as adults. They're still your parents, but you're able to look at them and that to me allows uh, for a little bit more forgiveness of anything that you feel they might have done wrong to you, you know? And I think that's a little bit of what Luke's going through. I can't be who you want to be because I'll fail. I could mess up. 
if Luke was actually on crate and all those walkers shot at him, he'd be dead. No amount of the force could save him. He knows that. But that's what they want him to do. And it's unfair. And there's other bigger issues. There's the inspirational points. I really believe most of Luke Skywalker's death is about him being the Obi-Wan Kenobi for the galaxy. Obi-Wan died so that we, as, a, as an audience, and Luke Skywalker as a character, know we have to go past that. We have to do that part uh, of the story on our own, and, and you must grow from the deaths in your life. Like it, It's accepting that. It's, it's, it's a lesson for Luke and us as the audience. It's a hero's journey. But Luke... This time around, that he's speaking to all of us. All of us. And it's not an easy lesson to learn. Luke himself, Luke himself doesn't learn it fully. Doesn't learn what he has to do or who he has to be until Return of the Jedi. So the galaxy, there's this line of thought that in Rise of Skywalker, the galaxy didn't uh, heed or hear Luke's call. Here's thing. I think number one, number one, I think t- people take the Tamari Black, aka Broom Boy stuff. It's to be taken literal, yes, but it's not, it's not like next week. I never took it as like Luke died and three days later the story's already around the galaxy. Um, and it's at uh, on Cantonica and now here in Cantabite, the stable kids are, are already learning it three days later and let's go join the resistance. I, I don't think it necessarily is meant to be that literal. It was meant to be the bigger picture. Luke is the legend that we all thought he was. He'll remain so, but he did so in his way. Luke showing up on crate and being blown off the planet by walkers would serve no great purpose. It wouldn't let the resistance get out. It wouldn't, it would, it would be, it would be something else. Well, don't get, don't get, uh, don't get involved. You'd be blown off the salt planet there. So yeah. Uh, should there have been a moment where I Skywalker of someone saying for Luke? Yeah, I, I, I guess, but it's baked into the story. It's baked into the story. That's what Poe's talking about. Missouri bliss. They want to fight. The people want to fight. They've heard the tale of Luke Skywalker, and they want to fight, but they're afraid. They're afraid. We've got to lead them through that. That's my burden now. And hopefully those people don't put that much pressure on Poe, because look, he fails. He feels it. That's part of the lesson of Luke in isolation. It's a lesson for us. Power's in our hands. And these people are here to help them. But at some point, we have to surpass them. We need to surpass them. That's what Yoda tells them, right? And it's hard as a mentor. Maybe Luke doesn't want to face that too. Maybe Luke, maybe part of Luke does want to go take his laser sword and face down the First Order. But he knows he can't. And then therefore, that's not fair to them. I think he learns a lot of that. I think in that isolation, he's angry. He's very angry. I think there's a self-loathing, there's fear, and that turns to anger. We get it. We heard you, Yoda. But there is a lot of, damn it, I messed up with Ben Solo. But I think there's anger. And when, in, in Jason Fry's last Jedi novelization, when the Force reaches out to him and gives him the message plain and simple, you've got to get involved. I don't care, Luke. You've got to get involved. You'll find the right way to get involved. But... You've got to get involved because if you didn't get involved before, this is what happened. Biggs dies, but a lot differently does now. Not for a great cause. You don't even hear about it. That princess that you see, she dies. You know, like that's what happens if you don't get involved. So Luke has to face that. Luke has to, has to battle that. But then when Ray comes back, he's pissed off because here we go again. I have to go do it all. I got to teach you all a lesson. I got to get involved, though. The Force has told me to get involved, but I got to figure out how. These are all things going on, which is why we can go on and on and on. But Luke Skywalker's time in isolation is fascinating to me. It's part of my favorite, favorite Star Wars storytelling. Some of my favorite. So that is my list. Vader is many times in isolation, almost daily. Ray on Jakku, Yoda on Dagobah. 
Obi-Wan on Tatooine, Luke Skywalker on Octo. I hope you guys enjoyed me rambling your calls. Thank you to Ed. Thank you to Pete for calling on in. We'll be doing that from uh, time and time again uh, here on Star Wars Ranked and other Star Wars shows. Uh, look for uh, more stuff soon on YouTube. Got stuff going on Patreon. This very show, Star Wars Ranking, uh, going to get some new theme music from our good friend Tony Thaxton. He's working on that now, and that is made possible by those who support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash center. You want a t-shirt? Go to tpublic.com slash user slash center and follow us on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. Uh, we are at Pod on Twitter. Like our Facebook page. Follow me at Kednapsuck. Go to Kednapsuck.com. Uh, if you want to pick up my book, Why We Love Star Wars, go to uh, anywhere you want to buy a book. Amazon, IndieBound, Target.com, other places. Uh, when you can leave your house um, uh, for essential things like buying Star Wars books, you can find them at bookstores as well. And if they're not there, ask, and that will get them there as well. You can also order them directly through my website and get a signed copy personally sent out to you from me and there is an audiobook so if you'd like to use our free audiobook gift to you from audible do so go to audibletrial.com slash force center and you can choose why we love star wars read by me or you can get a great book like the rise of skywalker novelization by ray carson the last jedi novelization by jason fry if you've never taken your time to uh, dive into that one do so i think that prologue uh, which is the force calling to Luke is worth uh, the price of admission there. So do that. Uh, we are out of here. I appreciate you all hanging out with me so much. Stay safe. Stay inside until it's time to go. Uh, we'll see you next time. Star Wars has been ranked.